on. Blast off. And blast it off. With the Spaceman and King Arthur. We have lift off. He looks so handsome. He's a somewhat different genius who builds a robot that looks like himself. Too much like himself. All right, Hermes, that's enough. Hermes, put the girl down. He's a wrong-way astronaut. You've got to get us down! Who forgets to get off the spaceship and rockets back in time from Houston to merry old England. You got a wrench around here? Camelot will never be the same. I got some LPs in there you probably haven't heard. Thanks anyway. He's a knight in shining armor, creating chaos in Camelot. And he's coming soon. Walt Disney Productions, The Spaceman, and King Arthur. Do you buy? Welcome, everyone, to what will prove to be a medieval episode of Be Kind, Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teep, and with me... Kyra Hawkins. Kyra Hawkins in the house. I, and she doesn't really want to be with this movie that we're going to see. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, like, come in with a lot of energy and, like, maybe try to be funny. And then I realized that I just didn't have it in me. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and peel back the curtain. We've been having audio difficulties for about 45 minutes. So that may have taken some of Kyra's energy away. Because she was live streaming a Taylor Swift concert prior to the podcast actually going on the air. Yes, I would like to send a shout out to everyone who's going to Taylor shows and live streaming streaming them on TikTok. I am watching every week, except for the show <laughs> I was at. I didn't watch that live stream because it was in front of me. But unfortunately, this is not a Taylor Swift chronicle. Which might make for a pretty good podcast. There's quite a few on Spotify at the moment. Uh, yeah, the uh, market is flooded. Well, I actually have been looking, and there are a lot of um, Disney movie podcasts. Oh, really? Of course, I don't know if any of them give the movies the vitriol that we do. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about it earlier, Um before I sat down to record and um, it's like, we've had a lot of not great ones in a row. Like <laughs> gone are the days of bull with Griffin and that darn cat and movies I'd never heard of that made me really happy. Yes. And instead we are stuck with the unidentified flying oddball, which is tonight's movie. And this one was definitely trying to um, hone in on the Star Wars, Star Trek franchise. Yeah. It was released August the 3rd, 1979. Actually did $4.475 million in box office. Which, eh. Yeah. You get what you pay for. And that comes out to about $18.5 million in today's budget. I had never heard of this movie until I started this podcast. Now I'm wishing I hadn't known about this movie. Ditto. And it actually has a two-sentence synopsis on Wikipedia. So we'll go ahead and let you know 
we did not write this. If we did, it would be a little bit more detail with a spoiler warning to not, to not watch this movie, maybe. Yeah, I was just thinking, if I wrote this synopsis, it would not be um, unbiased. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that definitely, we, we are definitely biased in our um, opinion. And the views of Be Kind Rewind, the Disney Plus movie podcast, are not those of Disney Parks or any person that works for the entertainment business. So the synopsis is as follows. It says, after Trimble's NASA spacecraft travels faster than the speed of light, it takes him and his android back to King Arthur's Camelot in the year 508 A.D. They then use their 20th century technology to help defeat a plot by this evil Sir Mordred and Merlin to oust King Arthur from his throne. The end. Man, I wish that's all the movie was. <laughs> I'm going to pull this up. Cause that, somehow that doesn't seem like that was the whole synopsis. Because that kind of dropped us in the middle of it. No, that is it. That's if that's all the that's actually listed as the premise. It's not even a synopsis. Yeah, the summary on IMDb is pretty poorly written. <laughs> um I was thinking, oh, we could just look at that, but I wouldn't recommend it now that I've read the whole thing. It's pretty short, but um it's not great either. So, yeah, we we have our main hero who is Tom Trimble who also plays the robot Hermes. And he gets inadvertently dropped into a rocket ship because there was a problem with the robot developing emotions and not wanting to go up into space. Mm -hmm. And this is basically a... Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court thrown into the space age and not done very well. Not done very well is really kind. Um, <laughs> I, like, I don't know. I I kept thinking, like, oh, I'll, like, we can connect this to, like, today's AI somehow because, like, Hermes is pretty advanced. But... At some point after I had that thought, I realized I just didn't care. So I think I started nitpicking, I can't even talk, this movie apart at like minute seven. Oh, I didn't make it that long. Because, well, first of all, this is supposed to be set during the space race. Oh, really? And... Well, yeah, because I'm, well, I think it was because they were the movie itself actually starts off with this NASA scientist describing how the um, spacecraft was going to take off, and then this little, um, for lack of a better term, space shuttle was going to be popped out of the hatch, and then it would fly around and it would collect ions or something or other. I didn't really, they already lost me at this point in the movie. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, and we're going to have people. And it's like, and that's where the 
scientists start to get shut down. I'm like, but guys, you're already putting men on the moon and you're putting men um, flying through space. So what's the problem with putting a person in a space shuttle and having them travel to wherever they're supposed to travel to? Yeah. So one thing I noticed um, was that one of the like lead NASA guys, I don't even remember his name, um, used the word contraption like four or five times. And I was thinking like, I don't think that people at NASA in the 60s or the 70s were like, he said something like, you expect, we aren't going to do that in that kind contraption like he's I don't know he sounded so old-timey and I was like I don't think that's how they were talking to each other in these meetings really well that was the official scientific term for it a contraption so do you think (laughs) that because it really does look like a a lot like the space shuttles Uh, Mm -hmm. when did the shuttle program start I don't even know I feel like I if should. only if only there was a something that you could look up these kind of things on. I know. I, well, I'm <laughs> and like neither of us have the energy to do that. <laughs> we're getting this. Um, everybody's getting this in real time. The space shuttle program began in. Well, let's see. Okay, various concepts have been explored since the late 60s, and the program formally commenced in 1972. So I was thinking, like, mm-hmm. the, the ship that they're in, or that they're talking about at the beginning of the movie, looks a lot like the real space shuttle. So I wondered, like, if this, if they already knew what it was going to look like, or if the filmmakers just were like, oh, it looks like an airplane. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, but so, I mean, we had them um, basically saying we don't want to put a real person into this contraption, for lack of a better term. And so Trimble starts building a robot, yeah. which... That walks, talks, sees, reacts. Has emotions. He's data from Star Trek Generations. Yes, pretty much. I mean, he they want him to have, like, real physical reflexes like a human. hmm And, of course, he's going to look like Trimble because, I mean, you base your robot on what you look like, I guess. I thought it was weird. I wouldn't want to make a robot that was my twin. But he must think a lot of himself. Yeah. And so we just we just jump forward and they do the little reflex test and Hermes kicks like he's supposed to. And then the next thing you know, he's sitting in the rocket ship. And obviously they forgot to strap him in. Yeah. And then he starts to get cold feet, for lack of a better term, about why he was put into this mission, and Tom has to talk him down off the ledge. Yeah, so this, like, made me think of a whole, like, this is a little bit of a tangent, I'm sorry, but, like, there's a whole, like, 
community of Star Wars fans, I guess, who have discussions about like droids and like do they have rights and are they basically enslaved? Um, and this it brought this to mind because he's pretty much enslaved. But then we see that he's got real feelings, like as far mm-hmm. as you can. I don't know. Again, it made me think of like today's AI and how like freaky real that is. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Also, we get um, like a Playboy magazine in this movie. Yeah. That the robot has. Um, I have a lot of questions. I'm not like. It's uncomfortable and weird, um, but then like it's not that kind of podcast. Yeah, and they keep bringing this magazine out over and over throughout the whole length of the movie. Yeah, it was just well, so strange to me. Until it gets blown up real good with a laser shot, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> so they're counting down. They have to halt the countdown because Tom has to talk. Hermes down, and then suddenly this freak storm pops up, and a lightning strike hits the rocket, and the rocket takes off. NASA did a bad job. I'm sorry. First of all, if there is a thunderstorm in the area for anything, I think they put the hold on the space shuttle or whatever is flying out. Yeah. Secondly, how big of a lightning strike does it have to be to actually ignite a solid rocket engine to the yeah. point that it escapes, that it hits um, escape velocity? This whole sequence made no sense to me. I, yeah. I mean, you have to just, like, not think about it, I guess. But I was already irritated with the movie and already mm-hmm. being like, oh, this is – it's only been, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> it feels like it should be half over by now. Um, So I was already, like, I already had a bad attitude, so it was hard for me to not think about it just because I was feeling so critical. Yeah, and so somehow the ship takes off, and Tom gets thrown into the rocket ship, and Hermes gets knocked back into something because he wasn't latched in or... I don't know. It did that part didn't make sense, which is only one of about thirty-eight things that didn't make sense in this movie. Yeah, there are so many. And so, my next question is: Are they in the space shuttle? Are they in the cone? Where are they in the rocket that? They get thrown around willy-nilly like it's – because in the early space shuttle – or not not space shuttle. In the early space missions, I mean, the whole capsule was about the size of a good, long um, kitchen table, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. As I'm sitting at an eight-foot table, I think it was about that long for the, for the Apollo astronauts. They had three of them in there. But, so, Hermes gets knocked out, and Tom somehow has enough 
knowledge to be able to fly a spaceship from the time that he gets in there, or they move into the spaceship and the spaceship takes off or whatever. Yeah. I couldn't make myself care. <laughs> but I will and, um, the flag on the shuttle is going the wrong direction because they're all, like, in real life, they're all pointed backwards, like if they're flying, like mm-hmm. if the wind is blowing them in that direction. Not on this. Okay, so we're taking two totally different approaches to what is wrong with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had to, like, just stop thinking about some of it because I was already having such a hard time. Um, and at some point I think I just decided, well, I'm on this ride, <laughs> whether I like it <laughs> Literally. or not. Um, yeah. but like, I don't, I guess I missed the explanation, but like somehow I, they were trying to like prove Einstein's theory, right or wrong or something. I don't know. Yeah. Which that's my next quibble. Did Einstein's theory of relativity actually state that time travel is possible? If you are a theoretical physicist listening to this podcast, first of all, kudos to you. Second of all, let us know which one of the theories of relativity it is they're talking about in this movie. And thirdly, enlighten us. Why this would even be an issue. Because, I mean, I know they went faster than the speed of light which is E equals MC squared, somewhere is in there, but that's, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Either my way. My mind is melting out my eardrum right now. Like, the math ain't mathin, and the theories mm-hmm. are not theorying. <laughs> um, whatever. They time travel. Uh, and he. As all good movies do. Wrong. <laughs> uh, time, I, like you have the rules of time travel vary from IP <laughs> to IP. It seems, but like yeah. this one, they don't seem to have any regard for like the how they might affect things. Um, like, did they yeah. talk about that? I don't know, but whatever. He lands in the year like five hundred or something. Um, and we meet, is it Alessand? They just call her Sandy, or he calls her Sandy through the movie. Um, and she seems pretty calm, considering that it's the year 500 and they don't have cars or technology yet. <laughs> and but you do, but you do have to. Think that she also thinks that her dad is a goose that is that somehow was changed into this goose by somebody. I, I I lost track of that part of the. Yeah, I I stopped caring. I just was like, she really thinks that this goose is her dad. Well, I mean, stranger things did happen. I guess so. so um, so we meet Merlin, who, until I started watching a little closer, and I didn't even read the premise that he was actually one of the bad guys in this movie. 
and I actually asked my wife about it earlier. Was Merlin actually on Arthur's side or Mordred's side? He was in actual Mordred. Arthurian legend. It, but in Arthurian legend. Oh, I have no idea. I thought he was a good guy. I mean, I did too. If Sword in the Stone is to be believed, Merlin was mm-hmm. like the coolest dude, and he was the goodest guy. Well, and and it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually think I watched. The Sword in the Stone, like two nights before this, with with my with my nieces and my nephew, and I'm like, something doesn't gel with what I'm watching here. Yeah, I honestly, um, I had a lot of thoughts through this movie, but like, Sword in the Stone was one I would have rather been watching if I'm gonna watch the <laughs> movie about Arthur and Merlin. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Um, Although, A Kid in King Arthur's Court, I would try. Um, Which we will in about 15 years. And then, I, like, at some point I was like, hmm, I think I'd rather watch Star Wars. Ooh, I think I'd rather watch Twister. It's about that time of year. Like, my mind was <laughs> everywhere but unidentified flying oddball. So, yeah. So, Sandy brings... Um, Tim to meet Merlin, and Merlin is speaking Pig Latin for some unknown reason. Yeah, he's, like, doing party tricks at dinner, and I'm like, this is, like, supposed to be the greatest wizard of all time. Mm -hmm. Why is he doing party tricks? Why have they reduced him to this? And we find out later on it's because he's pretty much a charlatan, is the way that this is working. Yeah. And so... Tim starts telling the entire 1,500 years history that will take place between 500 and wherever he is in the future. Um, and I'm and I'm thinking just what you're thinking. If he's telling them what's going to happen, how is he not ensuring that England doesn't not let the U.S. come to be? How do they not um, even think about not populating the U.S. Yeah. They're like, well, first of all, he puts them all to sleep because he's talking so long. But also, like, Arthur's just pretty chill with all of this information. Like, I mm. think I think maybe he just didn't know what to do with all of the info. Plus, it was like a mm-hmm. long story. This part actually did kind of make me laugh because I was like, oh, he's really telling the entire history. Yeah. And see, speaking as a history teacher, I would have loved to have actually sat in to, to listen to him give the 1,500 years speech. I mean, yeah, it probably would have been boring if you're like, yeah, right, whatever. And did you notice who was playing Mordred? I saw his name, but... Our good friend Terminus from Pete's Dragon. Oh, I didn't make that connection. I, now I like this movie even less. Um, wah, wah. Yeah. So okay, like this backing up just a tiny bit. I did. I thought it was kind of funny that like they thought that he was a creature and not mm-hmm. a human because like he was in this spacesuit. Um, and then when he like they finally he gets the helmet off 
everyone's like mind is blown because there's like it's got a human head but it seems like it takes him a while to accept that he is a human yeah um either way he gets locked in the dungeon with some other prisoners where he meets sandy's dad who is a human and not a goose a gander yes that's right um he did so he so he has to defend his honor several times and this is my next point of contention because for some reason arthur has the sword in the stone yes and you pull out the stone pull out the sword so doesn't that actually make you king that's what i thought too and i also was like why is arthur just like letting his letting the sword hang out in the rock like why doesn't he have it on him unless he is safe because nobody else can pull it well isn't the sword and the stone excalibur i thought which is the mighty the mightiest sword of all times yeah and like this like skinny white guy from the future who isn't as strong as anybody in the past because like he's um, an American <laughs> um, like I mean like think about it plus look at the guy um, I have a feeling that people back then were stronger because they had to do more physical labor anyways he just like pulls this giant sword out and like has a sword fight with it um, yeah. I man I'm glad we're, we're skipping ahead, uh, like, chunks at a time, because there's so much here that I just hated. Um, I really didn't like Sandy, or Alessand, or however you say her name. <sighs> yeah, I, and, and, it, and it just goes to show they're going to try to shoehorn in a love story somewhere in a Disney movie, just yeah. because that's the way things work. He's in love with her. Um, and he like is telling her in really stupid ways because he won't just say it, but he's mm-hmm. like saying it in ways that like that she can't understand because she's she doesn't know what he's talking about because he's using like references to things in the modern world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Case in point is he says my idea of heaven would be to split a pizza and a six pack while watching the Super Bowl on television and then maybe smooch a little at the half. And she's just looking at him like, Duh. he's like, I'm trying to tell you I love you. Like that means nothing to her. Like, aren't you a smart person? You work for NASA. Um, wow. I think I just heard my 12 year old's voice come out of me. <laughs> um, it sounds like something she would say. So he's in love with her and he's bumbly about it. And then like the robot Hermes is in love with her somehow. I, it, to me, it seems like she's just looking at them both like they're pets. Mm-hmm. Like I have compassion for you because I'm a nice person, but like, I don't know. There was no chemistry and yet they're pushing this love story narrative. It was, I hated it. Yeah, so 
Oh, get, get the, we get the Playboy magazine back. It's actually Playtime, but we know what it means. He gives it to um, the page or whatever. In what is that what they're called? Yeah. In the court, and he's he's like, hang on to that. There's some good articles in there. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I just roll. I like I groaned and rolled my eyes, and of course the page is like, oh, what's this? Yeah. And carries it around with him, and like every now and then he'll pull the magazine out and look at it. It's so weird. I don't know why that was in there. It didn't need to be. It wasn't funny. Yeah. Um. So they get Stardust or whatever the name of the ship back, and it's sitting in the middle of Camelot. Yes. And there is a sign outside that says, U.S. property, keep off. This means you, Merlin. Yeah. And he's like, okay. Now, Merlin actually did have an owl in this movie. So I thought was the owl's name Archimedes. Mm-hmm. Or did it, was it just another unnamed pet just to give us a, the twinge of what could have been a better movie. Yeah. So uh, I missed the owl entirely. Um, I think because I hated the character that they like made Merlin be so much. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I know I said this about the, um, wow, I'm digging deep here. The, the villain from Babes in Toyland. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I said, he reminds me of this other villain. I can't remember what it was now. There were two that I thought, oh, that villain reminds me of this guy, and I can't hardly stand to look at him. That's how I felt about Merlin. He reminded me of the villain from Babes in Toyland. Um I I disliked him entirely. I didn't think he was funny. I didn't even like like I didn't like the way that they he, he was costumed and that his hair was done. I just I did not like to look at this Merlin at all. You did not like him, Samuel. No. Like he was kind of cartoony but in a bad way. Mhm. Um and we kind of skipped over like they tried to burn Tim, Tom, whatever, at the stake. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, like, his spacesuit is fireproof, and he just, like, walks off of the thing, whatever it's called, and they're all like, what? Yeah. So, that happened, and... So, Mordred, again, has to have his recompense, and that's where the first fight of many in this movie happens, including, which has um, Tom somehow magnetizing Mordred's sword. He, like, he says, I need a hammer, and he hits the handle, I think the handle, um, because it's going to rearrange the molecular structure of the steel and make it magnetic. Um, don't think it works that way. Okay, I didn't think so, but I'm not, like, I didn't, I took all the college classes <laughs> except for science, so I'm, like, a science dummy in a lot of ways, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not how that works, but 
do I, I don't know anything about molecular structure, so maybe there was chance. <laughs> it made me yeah. feel kind of dumb, but yeah, it was weird. The fight scene went on too long, but it was kind of cute to like see the sword sticking to so many things and it just getting heavier and heavier because it's attracting all of these different metal things throughout the castle. Yeah, and then the page puts a cup on him, and suddenly Mordred falls off of a high set of stairs and doesn't die. Yeah. He and was, we don't even get a good goofy scream. <laughs> it would have been great if you would have had a... <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like, <laughs> I don't even know why. Because I wasn't, I, I just couldn't, I was really struggling to stay engaged. But they end up jousting. I guess because, like, all of the King Arthur movies have to have jousting. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in his, like, space suit. No, wait. That was Hermione. Tom's not in the spacesuit because he doesn't want to endanger himself. He puts Hermes in the thing and passes him off as himself for jousting. It doesn't go well yeah this was a and so and so Hermes loses his head literally and Tom comes running out and somehow he's found the document that he's been looking for that proves that Mordred is in a land grab because that's what this whole movie is about is that Mordred is trying to take over Camelot and yada 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 and so Mordred runs off, and Tom, I don't know. So Eminem, Mordred, and Merlin are trying to, like, overthrow King Arthur, which if Merlin is the Merlin that we know and love from other properties, mm-hmm. then, like, he would know this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. But we get this, like, stupid Merlin um, that's, like, bad cartoony villain. Um, I just, I couldn't make myself care about any of this. It was just like, well, that was the thing that happened. Um, the most yeah. that I cared was that I just wanted to think about how dumb it was. Um, yeah. And so Mordred and Merlin try to take over the cat, try to take over the castle and Tom starts wreaking havoc, and somehow the soldiers are walking literally a step in behind each other, which is not the way that any military procession ever works, so that all that Tom has to do is hit one of them, and everybody comes falling down like a big, huge domino stack. There's like a ray gun. Yeah. There was a laser gun that somehow Merlin got and couldn't use it. And and then Tom's flying around on a jetpack from, I don't know, science. But you could see the wires on the jetpack because <laughs> it was very badly CG'd. There was no point to, to really any of this, but like, he had a jetpack the whole time and he just wasn't flying. And then he carries, like he's carrying Sandy through the air. And mm-hmm. this is all so weird. Like 
why did they what happened in this meeting like where they pitched this idea I I want to know but also I'm glad to not know yeah and so of course Tom wins and there was much rejoicing huzzah yeah (laughs) there's like the longest like we know that Disney loves a long chase and they love a battle scene that goes on way too Mm -hmm. long the battle scene went on way too long like 15 minutes I think yeah. Somehow they like build a launch pad ramp thing. I don't know. They do like a whole countdown and like light it and he's able to take off to fly back to the present day. But not before he takes a selfie with a Polaroid and all the gang and leaves yeah. the camera with them. Like a dummy. Yeah. And so somehow there was a mention of Space Mountain in this. And I'm just like, okay. Are we talking Ric Flair Space Mountain? Or are we talking actual Walt Disney World Space Mountain? I didn't even catch that. And, yeah, the the ship would never have reached terminal velocity. As slow as it was going, it would have maybe made it to the low atmosphere and then crashed and burned and then we would have had a whole lot better to the movie. But yeah, Tom and Hermes and somehow the gander who is a stowaway on the ship (laughs) make it into space and Tom looks back and they're at like a thousand AD or something weird. Yeah. And he realizes that the goose hasn't died. In fact, he laid an egg. So it is a goose. Which, well, no, if we go back to Million Dollar Duck, the gamma radiation. Mm, yeah, I guess so. I mean, they're time traveling, so anything's possible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was totally fine with them just flying the shuttle off into the sky and it ends there and we just assume that he makes it back to present day like Earth 1970s America yeah I was but, great with that ending but when he realizes oh but that thing is still alive we can go back and get Sandy and then they turn around and that's where the movie yeah, so did he go back in time and live happily ever after with Sandy? Did he go back in time, grab Sandy, leave Hermes in the past? My, like, the way I understood was that they were going to go back and get her and then bring her back. Because he was worried about her not surviving the trip. Um, and then the goose was surviving it, so he just, like, deduced that she would. But that brings me back to like a criticism of movies like this where they always take someone out of one environment and plop them into another of like he's going to show back up to 1970s America with this lady who doesn't know what any of this stuff is mm-hmm. and she's going to be completely freaked out and then how is she going to exist in this country 
like, is she just going to be, like, an illegal immigrant? She doesn't have citizenship or or a social security card. Like, none of this matters, really, because it's, like, just a stupid movie. But that's where my <laughs> mind goes. Of like, how is that even going to work? Yeah. Like, like, Tom, did you not think about these things? Well, I guess what do you would get back to the future much better time travel movie, but we'll leave that one because it's not a Disney movie. Um, when he got back to the future, he'd marry her and she'd have her green card and they'd all live happily, happily ever after. Once she finished, like, screaming her face off about all the technology. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think probably it was just like, well, because we've established that she's kind of, ditzy and unintelligent and that she would probably just be like oh okay whatever you say mm-hmm. which I hate uh, this and she was like the only woman in the whole movie right I don't think I I don't think I noticed another maybe like during the dinner scene yeah, there, there, was, there was a couple of them, but it would not pass the Bechdel test. No. If that's where you're going with it. Um, um, yeah, the the fact that they made her literally into a ditzy blonde kind of left me saying why. Yeah. You could have just cast Sandy Duncan for that one. I, pro- I think I would have actually preferred that. Like, if we're going to have that, give it to somebody that can act. I'm so sorry to this lady. She's probably nice, but like, she was not right for this role. That's the end of the movie. I'm glad that we're done through the plot. I know we left <laughs> some things out, but like, it none of it mattered. Here's what I thought, and I wrote it down multiple times in my notes. Um, <laughs> I'm scared as to where this is going. No, I think that the only way. Okay, hang on. (laughs) Mystery Science Theater 3000 would be the only way this movie is watchable. And also, I feel sympathy slash empathy, I don't know, maybe it's empathy, for those characters in MST3K for being held hostage and forced to watch bad movies because that's how I felt watching this movie. Like, oh, Lord, what is this trash? Um, I would love to have Mystery Science Theater 3000 edition of this movie and make it way more watchable. Yeah, because they would have turned it into about a 45-minute movie, too. That too, but also it would have been funny. Yeah. Um. Well, that's that's the movie. I think I could probably come up with a. We, we could do this together. A list of movies to watch instead of this. Yes. Starting with the Sword in the Stone. Sword in the Stone. Um, Ella Enchanted. Um, Enchanted. Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Star Back to the Future Part 2. Back to the Future Part 3. So, um, at, like, at the opening shot of the movie is, like, there you don't immediately know, but, like, it's a demo, like, with a, like, a little model of all of the rocket and the shuttle. But, like, as the um, USA 
like rocket starts to come into view in my head. All I could hear was space, the final frontier. The final frontier. <laughs> so any of that more watchable? I'm not really like <laughs> I like. I grew up watching Star Trek because my dad. Um, so I have fondness for it in that regard. I would rather watch the whole like universe of Star Trek shows and things than this. Yeah. So I have three notes, which I don't really know why I wrote them down, but they were important to me at the time. First one is the fact that, um, was it Sir Gawain? I think I know who you're talking about. He quoted Winston Churchill when he said, never has so many owed so much to one man. I wrote that. And I'm like, okay. Um, it made me secondly, feel uncomfortable. Well, yeah. There, there was, there was so much in this movie that made me feel uncomfortable, especially being seven months in as a teacher and knowing what I know about the past and not even science, but things don't work the way that this works. Yeah. Um, the they somehow had a polarization thing on the ship that turned into a big magnet, which was like a very big part at the very end because it actually sucked all the bad guys in and knocked them all out, and they yeah. started piling up around the the um the ship itself. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah, um, the page got a flag, which is yet another thing that would cause problems in the future. And then he said it was from his Uncle Sam. Yeah. I think they were, so, they were trying to be funny with some of this, but... Actually, I thought of another movie that would be better to watch and is about as long. But it's also a time travel movie. Time Cop. Oh, I've not seen that. I like it rings a bell. But... Jean-Claude Van Damme. Back when he was in his heyday the first time around. Okay. Before he became a um, reality show star, I think. Yeah, I yeah. forgot that he existed. Oh, my gosh. All right. Do we have anything else that needs to be brought into the bright sunlight of the workaday armor? Um, King Arthur? I don't think so. I just really didn't enjoy this, and I had a difficult time staying engaged with it. Yeah. And I deployed every tool that I have to stay engaged, and I still was, like, really struggling. So, all right. With that, let's go ahead and get to the three questions, which I think is going to be pretty quick and pretty painful. (laughs) What is today's impact on this movie? Well, first of all, it could be done a whole lot better. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it could be um, not made. 
Yeah. <laughs> or thirdly, they could turn it into a um, into a cartoon. Mm. Or a Muppets movie. That idea has some traction. <laughs> um, but they could turn a lot of things into Muppet movies. I just think... I don't ever want to watch this again in any form unless it has the Muppets or Mystery Science Theater 3000. Alright. Second question. Is this mirror intelligence? No. Well, AI, time travel, that's about it, really. King Arthur, Sword in the Stone, done better. Yeah. I, like... I think I, I know I mentioned a couple times about AI and basically like I don't ever want them to create anything like Hermes, but I think we're probably headed there. Yeah, and it's kind of scary thought. Like, but I guess it's mirrored in culture in that way. All right, and third one. How does it fit into today's society as a Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie? Yeah. Like I said, like that's the only way I ever want to watch this again. It was, it was not, it was not the low expect, not even the low expectations that I had going into this one. When the picture on the um, billboard is of Tom, Tim, whoever, with Sandy on his lap on a jetpack. Yeah. It kind of thwarts me wanting to watch for any other reason other than just to see how bad it is. Yeah. You know what would have been a better ending for this is if they would have gone like... Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes style ending of like where he flies back to the future um, and lands and like everything is different. And then it. You blew it up! But I think like in 1979 when this came out, they weren't like thinking of movies. Well, I don't know. When did Planet of the Apes come out? Yeah, I'm getting ready to look that up right now. Like, because I. I know about them. I've never seen them just because like the older ones, the originals came out maybe before I was born. But like, I remember the Mark Wahlberg one, how like he goes back and like the whole world is different mm-hmm. and <laughs> they wouldn't have done this in the seventies, but like that would have been a really interesting twisty ending out of place with the rest of the movie. But like, all of the movie was out of place with the rest of the movie. Okay, so the original Planet of the Apes movie came out in 1960. So we're talking 11 years, and I think they were still making bad Planet of the Apes movies in the late 70s. So it wouldn't have been unforeseen. Yeah. And doesn't, I think Disney actually owns the Planet of the Apes franchise, don't they? Or is it Universal? I want to say Universal, but I'm probably wrong. I don't. I don't know. Um, but like Roddy McDowell is in those, right? Yeah. Now that I'm like a Roddy McDowell fan, I might give them a try. But 
like that level of sci-fi usually isn't for me but sometimes it works out i'm trying to see who actually owns the property because i am on le planet des singes what was a french book there's actually a 2024 new um kingdom of the planet of the apes yeah it is disney Cool. So, so, so maybe we need to go back in time and watch Planet of the Apes and figure out if that's a better movie than this one. Are those? Which, not, of course, it's going to be. Those aren't on Disney Plus, though, are they? I doubt it. If they were, I would give it a try. Just <laughs> it like like let's say they because you know they're constantly updating things. So let's say they yeah. throw Planet of the Apes in there. Like I would do a one-off. Even like if we watched all of them and then just did one episode, I, I'm like, getting in the weeds and maybe too excited about this, but <laughs> maybe. maybe it'd be kind of, I mean, that would be fun to do. Nope. It is not on here as of today, but that doesn't mean next week it won't be. <sighs> well, we are going from one um, space movie if you want to call this a space movie, to another space movie that is a whole lot better. We are finishing out the 70s with a movie that I am actually kind of terrified to cover because I've watched bits and pieces of it throughout my existence, and that is the 1979 movie The Black Hole. I am working on getting a special guest on here with us. That way he can bring his knowledge of this movie to us. And so you will see that when we reconvene. As is always the case, until we speak again, stay safe, stay hungry, and watch out for lightning storms when you're on Cape Canaveral. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Yeah, and baseball starts up in eight days. Yay. With the race to the pennant for 60 games. (laughs) Craziness. I mean, minor leagues play 42. So, yeah. Or the one that we got here plays 42. So just to give you a little perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Won't be good for the Orioles, but maybe they'll win five games. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that'll be enough. That's all they'll need. Yeah. Uh.